Network Podcast. My name's Dave Swillam. Let's get ready to hustle. Hey, and welcome back to the Waking Up From Work podcast, where we get to work, making work a passion, living, creative, full-time. Want to just shout out real quick, the audio quality on this episode today is not as good as it normally is. It is Zoom quality, uh, which is not my favorite. You probably heard me bitch about that before. We had some technical difficulties tonight that came from me getting limited amounts of sleep and then fucking things up really hard on my hard drive when I got back. So uh, sorry ahead of time for that. But uh, today's episode was really good, so I didn't want to try to capture the moment any differently. Tonight we have on Laura Harper-Lake from the Creative Guts podcast, hanging out on my podcast after I hung out on her podcast. So if that's not an exception, I don't know what is. But Laura, uh, Laura does a ton of different creative things, and she does it all day long in different capacities and places. So she's really perfect to be on the show. And what I didn't realize from being on her podcast so much as I did when I interviewed her is how similar our personalities and uh, some of the things that we have in common, the way that we kind of think or or act were. So it was really interesting interviewing her because I felt like I got to interview myself with some of her reactions to things or like little OCD or mannerisms or things like that. It was, it was interesting to to kind of run into out there and and uh and exciting to see, I guess. But she does a lot of physical and art-based creative, which we we've had Craig Holland illustration and uh and some others that are, are like a physical art or like a drawn or painted or some type of art and that that side of creative, which I know sometimes I neglect coming from audio and music world. So really excited to have her on today. Next week's episode is going to be Sarah Reitzman from the Creative Guts podcast is the other co-host of the podcast. Uh, I wanted to split them up and kind of get two different perspectives of what makes that show happen. And uh, today we talk about jack of all trades, doing all these different things and, and what makes sense to to go down further and what makes sense to stop. We talk about digital versus physical in the arts and, and what pros and cons those might have for stimulating or stopping creative. We talk about putting yourself out there, uh, using creative to find common ground, side quests and distraction and pursuing new paths and all these different things. So lots in here. The episode is a little long today, an hour and a half. Uh, that's because we were feeling it and we just kept talking. So we let it happen. So, uh, once again, Hey, thanks for everyone hanging out with us on Instagram every Thursday night at seven 30. Really like the energy of hanging out with you guys. If you haven't, and you want to every Thursday night, Eastern seven 30 PM at Dave wake up on Instagram is when this podcast gets cut or obviously you're listening to it right here. We love having you here as well. I really appreciate you listening and tuning in weekly like this. Hope that you're getting something out of it. If you want to back us up, you can give us a rating and a review. 
That helps us just get the word out with all those fancy algorithms out there. That stuff matters a lot. Either way, really appreciate having you hanging out with me and uh, taking the time out of your day to throw this in your ear. All right, episode 62. All right, so welcome everyone on Instagram. Welcome everyone else out there hanging out to the Waking Up From Work podcast. This is your host, Dave Swillam. Today, you're listening to episode 62 of the podcast. Thank you guys for being cool with me taking a week off to kind of take a week of silence and, and hang out and collect my thoughts and, and chill a little bit. So uh, it's really nice to be back with you guys, be back live and, and hang out and talk some creative here. So today, if you guys haven't seen uh, recently, I had the pleasure of hanging out with the Creative Guts podcast with Laura right here and Sarah, who's going to be on next. And as you can kind of see from my history, I <laughs> very often, if I'm ever on someone's podcast or if I'm ever like have met them from the first time, I legit, Laura, I like legit meet someone on LinkedIn or Instagram or somewhere and just start talking to them. And if it clicks, I just get like excited and like immediately I'm like, I know that we're going to have a ton of fun and I want you on my podcast. Like just be here. So if you've totally. seen the history, I, I, uh, I was really excited about talking with uh, these guys last week. Wanted to keep the conversation going. So uh, this week we have on Laura. Next week, we're going to have the other co-host of the Creative Guts, Sarah, on and kind of split them up. It's divide and conquer of the uh, Creative Guts podcast over here at the Waking Up yeah. podcast. So Laura <laughs> Harper Lake. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thank you. I'm great. I'm really happy to be here. I don't usually uh, sit on the other side of the microphone, if you will. I'm usually asking all the questions. So How is, weird is it? It's super weird. It's it shouldn't be. It doesn't freaky. seem like it's supposed to be. Like It's literally the same exact thing. Only yeah, it is, but it's also... Like, I gotta talk about myself. That's weird. I don't know. It's, <laughs> I don't know. It's different, but it's exciting. I do do a lot of stuff and I like talking. So I'm happy to share what I'm, you know, doing. Hell yeah. So for those of you that don't know Laura or you haven't listened to the Creative Guts podcast, first of all, really recommend it. It's really fun, lighthearted way to talk to and see a lot of creatives in New Hampshire. And I'm not sure, do you guys do outside of New Hampshire or just New Hampshire? We are starting to because of the pandemic. We've actually, you know, typically we interview in person. We have switched that up and we actually had our first international guest. We had Thomas Shea, a really awesome musician from uh, uh, Canada. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So for, for those of you who haven't checked it out, definitely check out their podcast. It's a lot of fun. Uh, so Laura is obviously a podcaster. She's the host and founder of the Creative Guts podcast. She is also a multidisciplined artist is that how you say it multidisciplined artist interdisciplinary same difference <laughs> and, and like the list was so much that i didn't feel intelligent enough that i could list out <laughs> all the different things so i wanted to let laura jam out on some of the things that she does but she does everything ranging from like graphic design and physical arts of of multiple different types as well as music and and writing in that way writing like actual 
by word and then also is getting into voice acting right now. So it's just this big pile of <laughs> creative in a bunch of different ways. And we are a creative entrepreneurship, creative living podcast. So felt good about hanging out with her. Uh, by day, she is helping businesses with a nonprofit to do design and art and branding and that kind of way. And then by night, she is doing the Artful Har- Harper, her own brand to create all sorts of things for people by night and by weekend, I'm sure. So did I get that pretty much? Is that Laura Harper Lake in a nutshell? Yes. Yes. That is me. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. So, do so you just run through, like I, I kept that real small. Do you want to kind of, for people that don't know you, yeah, you know, just run through who are you, where'd you come from, however you want to. Absolutely. So uh, me in a nutshell, I grew up in Western Maine, but I went to school at Chester College of New England, which is in, or was in Chester, New Hampshire for studio arts. And I, I was an artist since I was a little kid and there wasn't ever really another option for me. I just loved art, always wanted to do it and knew that would be in my life always. And so I had a lot of, you know, day jobs to get me through after college. But eventually, um, I started uh, teaching myself graphic design, and I became a graphic designer. So I worked for a nonprofit called the Regional Economic Development Center, which is a really long name. So we call it REDC. But we're a nonprofit that helps businesses in New Hampshire uh, with alternative lending, technical assistance. And what I do is the graphic design. So a lot of startup businesses that don't have the funds to get a logo and a website going, we help them for free um, through, you know, different funding sources. So awesome. it's very, it's very fulfilling and it's very stimulating because I'm constantly working with different industries. So I'm very fortunate. I love it. And we can have dogs in our office. So it's double lucky that way. <laughs> That's also awesome. Yeah. Yep. I have a dog, Max, who I bring in a couple times a week. Well, right now I'm working from home all the time, but prior to that, he comes in a lot. So that's been pretty great. Um, he's also welcome at my studio, which is at Art Up Front Street in Exeter, New Hampshire. It's an artist collective of nine artists um, founded and run by Rose Bryant, an amazing, wonderful, awesome human being. And um, I've been there for just over two years, I think. And it's just been an amazing experience um, for art. Like you said, I kind of do a lot of everything. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, jack of all trades, master of none, I feel is very fitting. <laughs> um, if I really, you know, just focused on oil painting, I think I'd be amazing at it. I think I'm just okay at it. Like I, I just jump around from thing to thing. So the primary ones are oil painting, watercolors, uh, lino cut block prints. Um, uh, digital painting on my uh, iPad Pro in Procreate um, and uh, just illustration in general, mixed media. And lately I've been playing with digital collage, which has been kind of a new thing. I've been inspired by some artists that I follow. So I've been playing with that. So I jump around from thing to thing to thing. I also used to do sculpture a lot. Um, In college, I carved soapstone and alabaster, and that was sort of my main thing. Uh, I don't do that much anymore because it's uh, very time-consuming and you need a lot of resources to do it safely. So uh, it hasn't really been a thing 
in my life right now, but I'd like to go back to it. Um, I do occasionally build furniture when I need something in my house. Um, so I do some woodworking just for out of necessity really, but, uh, I don't know. I just like making and creating and I like solving puzzles and problems. Like I need something. So instead of buying it, how am I going to create it? The only exception is cooking and baking that will elude me forever. I am terrible at it and I don't enjoy it in the slightest. Really? Yeah. I hate following recipes and I hate the mess it makes. and I hate cleaning and it's just all around. I appreciate it. I appreciate the culinary arts and the people who do it because it just evades me. Wow. That's like my most relaxing thing to do is to cook. That's like being a, been like a big part of our Megan and I's relationship is like cooking on a Friday night or something like that. And like, I just don't think about things. And it, I don't know. I, I love it. But also Meg and I have like a divide there too, where like she can bake. And the reason I can't bake is because if you do not follow the instructions for baking done, it's literally, it literally will not bake. It will Mm -hmm. literally stay like a liquid and not turn into the thing. It's a weird science experiment because I, I don't do that. Like I don't do directions. I don't do like point like bullet points i don't mm-hmm. do like anything like that i can cook but i think that's only because i've been cooking for some time now reading mm-hmm. the directions enough so that i know like yeah i'm gonna you know i'm throwing that in i know it's gonna turn yeah. that way and i can just find <laughs> my way through it and it always tastes good so you know so you guys but- are like two pieces of the perfect puzzle then you balance each other out my husband and i are like okay who's doing it like come <laughs> on Oh gosh, should we just have cereal yeah, for dinner? Eating thing right now, for sure. <laughs> How's that <laughs> happening? <laughs> yeah, it's not fun. I'm not. I'm not a fan. But I like doing other creative stuff. See that? What's interesting to me about like, and, and especially if you go through our podcast, we're at episode like 61 or 62. Well, 62 right now. Okay. We've interviewed quite a bit of businesses, entrepreneurs, musicians, audio engineers, definitely, definitely artists too, like Craig Holland illustrations. Um, you know, we've videographers, photographers, like there have been some people on the side of physical, but I would say that before I met you and Sarah, I don't think a lot of people in my circle, definitely people in this community. And so happy to have them. But the physical side has always been foreign to me because I have always been working in creatives that are not something that you touch mm-hmm. really at all. So it's interesting to me for you to say like, yeah, like when I need a piece of furniture, I go build it. That's like something that literally would not even come close to crossing my mind. I would be like, I need a piece of furniture, so I got to go buy it. I mean, I do go, I do buy furniture and I certainly don't make anything anyone would actually buy, but I, you know, utilitarian furniture I can do. And I like the challenge of. Yeah. But I feel like I'm not capable of that. I don't think (laughs) I did like puzzle piece minded when it comes to furniture. Like I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm amazing at anything that's like a put together furniture. I can do it no problem. But like, if I were to like look at it to build, I don't know, I'd be pretty weak. I think 
Uh, one of my biggest successes, actually, I did build um, uh, two uh, cornhole toss boards. Nice. And, uh, you know, for my father-in-law for his birthday or, or uh, Father's Day or something like that a year ago. And we still play with them. And it's, you know, I painted them cool colors and they work really well and they haven't broke. So that's amazing. <laughs> One thing, I guess, like right there, like I totally didn't plan on asking you this, but now that you made me think that way, you do both. You do like, like you have gotten into the digital illustrations through your iPad Pro. You're getting through these like um, collages and things like that. What's your opinion between the physical and the digital? Like you do both of those those worlds is there one that you like more than the other is there one that's providing something over the other one what are what are the what do they provide to you what's what is it that you see between the two worlds moving forward i guess that's tough i i love both equally and i like jumping like with all the things i do i just like jumping back and forth back and forth and they all give me something different working on the ipad Aside from the initial hefty cost, you know, in the beginning, otherwise there's no cost with it and there's no mess. There's no setup. I can literally go anywhere and draw and paint. And the accessibility of that is great. Um, You can Mm -hmm. also uh, undo and, you know, fix your mistakes. Um, You know, sometimes with a watercolor painting, you can't undo, you know, you can't take away something that's there. Right. But that's a wonderful experience in itself. You know, what happens happens and that's sort of got some magic to it too. Um, I love the art community on, on Instagram and online. And I feel like through digital art, I have connected to so many other artists that way. There's just this kind of inherent, you know, uh, feeling like you're attacking you know, the same thing together. And it's really nice for my physical art, my paintings and my drawings um, that feels more, you know, appropriate to submit to galleries and to sell. I do sell some of my digital work, but that's a little bit, I feel a little more rocky on that. And I feel far more comfortable uh, promoting and selling my physical work. Um, Why? Why? I think because of my, footing with it, my experience with it. I think it feels a bit more natural because I've been doing it my whole life. Whereas digital art I've been doing for four, five years, maybe, uh, it's still new. And when I look at, um, my favorite digital painter is Loish. I'm a huge fan of her. And, uh, if you haven't ever seen her, you should totally look her up on Instagram. You say that, but I haven't checked her out yet. So I'm, I'm going through like probably right when we turn this off, like I will not be able to help myself. Yeah, she's a huge influencer of many digital artists and, you know, she's been doing it for a long time. She is a traditional artist as well, but she's made a career as a concept artist, as a digital artist, and Mm. she kind of combines the style of Disney and manga and anime and sort of mixes them together to create these very intriguing and, you know, just really fascinating characters with, uh, you know, I feel like I've learned a lot from her and I, I feel this connection with other digital artists online as far as sharing and learning and growing together in a way that I don't, I feel like 
just for me personally, my physical art is sort of more of an insular thing. It comes from me. I, I am influenced by others from time to time. I mean, we all are, but it, it feels a bit more of a fact. I have a foundation in it. I went to school for it. I've been doing it forever and it feels more natural to me at this point. And I, I have a hard time splitting my time between the two different kind of arenas, but I jump back and forth as much as I can. That's interesting. And you know what? Listening to you talk through that felt so parallel to audio, believe it or not, because I grew up interning in a studio that was not full, not full tape at that time. We did do some things in tape, believe it or not. And that wow. was super, super fun. And I'm really into it. But I grew up in a studio that was analog and it worked on like a computer that the only thing the computer did did at that time was record and it only had like three buttons to the software. Like I couldn't <laughs> the crazy things that I do now and all the software that I did. So it really felt like I was still working analog at that point. And the same things come out of that in same way with working nowadays with drum samples or drums or working with tape or analog boards or you know, digital is there are good things to both and there are things that I love about both and then benefits and cons of both with it. Where mm. if I record an analog or I record to tape, there are that like, first of all, I live off of the in the moment. That's just the type of person I am. That's why I go live on here because I, I know. can avoid it's it. That's so brave. I perform music, <laughs> you know, because if I yep. up that song, too bad is what it is. That's why yeah. like, when I'm recording, I love it when I have the mic on, when someone's like taking their coat off and like warming up or something like that, or they heard the first, I'm like, Hey, we're going to do a practice take, run through the whole song and just go for it. And then I record the song and I'm like, literally, you just got your first take on that chorus because that's how you felt right now, not under the microscope. Like I believe in the, in the moment. Mm. I, I do believe that I sometimes get that more when I have to, when it's like an analog or a press thing where like my board's going to be erased afterwards. I don't have a choice. What's mm -hmm. happening right now. That's what it is. If it's a live performance, then a recording, that's what it is. There's nothing that I can do to change that with my mind. If I go like psycho on it, creative, like, Oh, I don't know. And like question myself, I can't change it. I have to work with my confines. And I think in a lot of ways, working under a confined way can make you be more creative because mm -hmm. you have those choices that you have to work inside of. However, the conveniences of being able to sit on a plane and literally mix and resample drums that someone recorded over yeah. in California and then sent to me through an email that I got when I was in the terminal, that's amazing. That mm -hmm. opened up people that I could have never worked with before. And it still feels really good in, in giving me the options to totally play around with things and like redo them in a million different ways to be creative in that way. So it's, it's really cool to hear you talk about doing these digital drawings and how that's its own space and gives you its own abilities. And then these, these physical tangibles uh, doing that own, that's, it's like the same thing to me. Yeah. That's interesting. And I think they inform 
each other. You know, I find if I'm working on, you know, analog, if you will, I could think, okay, when I try something similar in digital, maybe I'll try doing something differently that is reminiscent of what I'm doing yeah. in the physical and back and forth. I feel like both of them help me strengthen the other in a way. That is awesome. Oh, I'm pumped. So <laughs> I totally like zoomed off into like this, this conversation that we were at, but I did want to act. I meant to actually, before we got this way to ask you what, what made you create the creative guts podcast? Why did that have to happen? And what does that name really mean? I guess, what's the meaning of the creative guts podcast? So I had been thinking I wanted to do a podcast. I just thought I want to do a podcast a long time, like probably three or four months before we actually started doing it. And I didn't quite know what I wanted to do, but I just knew I I had this fantasy of voice acting and I thought, gosh, like I could just do it myself. I could just practice with a mic and I could talk and maybe people will listen and, you know, kind of evolve from there into maybe a voice acting hobby. And um, in addition to that, I was talking with a friend, sort of the concept of creative guts. I was talking with another friend and I do a little bit of videography too. And we were talking about creating a video series where we interviewed former uh, Chester college alumni, former Chester college kids and specifically the ones that are still making art. If you go to school for art school and then 10, 15 years later, you know, you have a day job. It is incredibly hard to keep the momentum going of practicing your passion. And I know a handful, uh, you know, uh, Mike Durkee from Durkish Delights, who is one of our guests um, and who was on here earlier. He is one of those folks that I thought of on my list right away. Like, God, I want to hear his story and like how he says, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah connected with me on uh, connected me with him on like a Instagram message, and yeah. I saw his art, and I was like, I one hundred percent at some point are having you do a, a band shirt for me or like a logo or yeah, I love his shit. It's so cool. you you two are like two peas in a pod. Like you guys are like everything is possible. Like let's just do it. You know, like you guys have that same energy, and That's he so is one of the folks I was thinking like, God, it'd be so cool to like go to his studio and film him and think of, you know, like find out how he still maintains. I mean, yeah. I do it, but it's hard. It is tough. And, and, and the video thing never really, you know, panned out. Um, and I thought, okay, so, you know, when you're editing, editing video, you get the visual and the audio, maybe we just focus on one, maybe we just focus on audio. And so awesome. I kind of had the thought like, Oh, this could be the podcast, like the two ideas sort of just melded and Sarah Reitzman and I worked together and, uh, I, we were sort of newer friends. We had only really worked together for under a year. We were kind of only friends for like four or five months at that point. Um, we are both, you know, married to big nerds and we like to all kind of (laughs) hang out and do the same thing together. And, you know, I'm a nerd too, nothing against nerds. And, uh, And I burst into her office and said, do you want to start a podcast? And she was like, yes. She just looked at me and said, yes, let's do it. Like she didn't, she barely even, yeah, she just, she, you know, was like, yep. And, and, you know, you'll (laughs) learn, I I won't spoil it, but she'll kind of explain why she said yes. There was something going on and 
I'll give a hint. There was something going on in her life that made her have that desire to want to do something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it felt kismet. It felt like fate. Like we were meant to be friends. Sarah, I love you. And we were meant to make this platform for others to, you know, be featured on, to shine off of, you know, not that we're some big giant thing, but even if it impacts just a few folks, like mission accomplished, you know, it just is great. And so Sarah and I, you know, really, I kind of had the vague idea of what I wanted to do, but having a partner really helps you solidify what's going on in your brain. And she had, you know, a thousand and one amazing ideas and we sort of melded together our visions and Creative Guts was born. And we played with a bunch of names, you know, we tumbled out a ton of ideas and in the end, creative, you know, we're focusing on creative. So that kind of felt like the right direction and Guts. What my original video series was about people that were still putting themselves out there, which is incredibly humbling and scary. It's just scary. Yes. It's scary being a creative and putting yourself out there. And, you know, you're being judged on something you made that reflects perhaps something incredibly personal and deep going on inside you. And you're just showing the whole world and, you know, wearing your heart on your sleeve potentially. And, uh, I very much admire folks that do that. Um, it's authentic and it connects us as humans. And, you know, the more we connect, the more peace there will be, hopefully, you know, mm. we'll understand each other more. I mean, I don't want to talk about the bigger picture of everything, but, Universal. It's you know, yeah, it really is. And so art's an amazing connector and it just, it heals. Like it's, it's such an amazing thing. Art in general, not just like, visual arts. Yes. Um, so that's another thing about creative guts is we focus on interviewing tons of different creatives. You know, we have chefs and choreographers, visual artists, writers, other podcasters. Um, we're Sarah is trying to get an architect on the show. You know, if any architects awesome. are out there and want to be on the show, <laughs> cause she works in housing. So she has that whole kind of fascination. We've done fiber artists and, uh, you know, uh, like, uh, Improvers, geez, I couldn't even think of the name. <laughs> um, you know, comedians, like just tons of, you know, plus a lot of different visual artists. And everyone that I meet and speak with, I just immediately, one, feel like we've been friends forever because there's just this common bond of wanting to make and do and create. And it's just, it's awesome. It's intoxicating. And, um, and then I always kind of have a twinge of like, I want to go do the thing they're doing. I want to like, like they all inspire me in a different way. Mm. Um, you know, uh, Brian Paul, who does uh, improvisation and writing for Dorks and Dungeons, he, after talking to him, you know, I always, you know, the whole voice acting thing is sort of my pansy way of not actually acting in person because I'm, I have stage fright, but I was like, I could do voice acting, you know, and improving is a great way to experience that and to do it in front of people scares the heck out of me. Um, and through some other connections, I heard about the New Hampshire theater project and they've been doing some, uh, very loose improv stuff, uh, classes online. And so I've done one of those and I would never have done that if I never met him, you know, like he inspired me to try it and do it. And not that it's going to become my main thing, but I think it just, all that stuff kind of builds up who you are. And the more that you try and do, the better you'll be at the things that you're really pursuing. Hmm. Hopefully. 
That's awesome. Uh, there's yeah. a lot in there. I yeah. guess I feel very connected to you with your talk on being a jack of all trades and master of none. I really feel that I'm that way too. Mm. I don't know what it is inside my head where I don't think that I'm the best audio engineer in the world. I don't think I'll ever be. And the reason is because quite frankly, I don't think that that's the point when I, when for me, right. Is if I'm the best audio engineer on the entire planet, but I can't relate or get the emotion out of an artist or work with them to get the right thing, then does it matter? It's like the, if the tree falls in the forest and there's nowhere, there's no one there to hear it doesn't make a sound. That's how I feel on it. So like I will be enough to do, to be dangerous and to perform and give the art that I, I am promising to people, but I am unwilling to sacrifice the additional time away from all the other things that go mm-hmm. into that role to narrow in on just like, okay, this EQ at this degree. And like, I get into that stuff. I'm a nerd too. Like no doubt, like in the relationship, I'm the nerd heavy piece of the, like the two. Of us. <laughs> <Yeah>. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Meg's a nerd, but not, not really. Like I'm flat out straight up a nerd. I'll ruin Christmas parties left and right <laughs> conversation, no doubt. But I think that the reason I'm so forward on that is because I, I, believe there's a lot of things that go into being the best at something and it's not always being the best at something. That's mm-hmm. how I feel about it. What, what, what goes into your, your, your process when you're, when you're saying, I'm going to try this new thing cause I'm inspired on it. What makes you go in where you're like, you know, you're coming from a physical uh, background. Now you try the digital stuff that, that I can see the progression, but then you're like, and I'm going to do the voice acting and the music and like all these other side quests that build up you as a person. And that's you now. What goes into those decisions of like, this is something I'm going to try, or this is, this is a distraction. Like what goes into like that, that being of you for, for doing these multi, these multi different creatives. First of all, I love that you said side quest to classify those as a nerd. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) They really are like music is totally a side quest. Like it is not going to have me win the trophy at the end of the day, but it's definitely worthwhile pursuing. You still um, get like skill points or something from it, but like, yeah, exactly. You, but like you got like a storyline that you were ignoring for a little bit and you still got to get back on that trail, you know? Oh my gosh. That is such a great way to put it all. I have to tell my husband that when we're done because <laughs> he'll really appreciate it. Cause he, like is one of those people that has to complete the side quests, you know? <laughs> and oh, really? I guess, I guess in life I'm like that. Um, if, if it really, if something really excites me, like voice acting, I just do it. I don't, I guess I don't, if I, if I really have that passion, I don't hesitate. I, I look up what it takes and, and see if I think I could accomplish it. Um, and if there is a, as Sarah Wrightsman likes to say, a low barrier to entry. <laughs> That's a term she likes a lot, but basically, you know, something that is accessible enough for me to try my little hand at, you know, voice acting. I already, you know, the podcast was sort of an avenue to build up the inventory to be able to do that. I already had um, software editing skills from making music for the RPM challenge way back in the day. Yeah. And, uh, and so 
it was really just kind of doing the homework to find out what's involved and then just trying it. And, you know, part of creative guts, having the guts to try it. Like I didn't know if I would sound silly or adequate or terrible or whatever. And I recorded some auditions and submitted them and, you know, got some good feedback, got some small gigs from it. Like, you know, nothing that's, it's all kind of in process at the moment, but yeah, I don't know. It's, and I mean, it's, it's a nice low pressure thing I can pick up and put down. Um, for some reason, the kind of, you know, interdisciplinary ADD that I have, I jump from medium to medium. Sometimes I need a palette cleanse. Lately I've been doing a uh, digital collage and it's been so relaxing and I'm, I'm working on a couple of really large art projects right now. And when I switch from one to the other, sometimes my headspace just needs like an area of Zen and calm. Not that it's stressful work, what I'm doing, but it does require some, you know, mental focus that, you know, I need to relax from sometimes or else my brain will just like seize up. And so sometimes these little side quests are really just nice palate cleansers. That's cool. Yeah, I can see that. Like, I I take my band seriously, but I also do use that band as a way to palate cleanse from the creative in audio working for people because I don't have an expectation when I'm writing that music that yeah. I'm going to use that as my full-time living. It is what it is. Like, when that comes out, it is what it is. Like, I, I want it to be successful. I, I'm just a competitive person, so I want everything to be successful all the time. Mm-hmm. I will be way too serious on whatever it is that I work on. Like my first live stream, like for s- some of the live stream shows, I set up all of our live show lights, our PA, absolutely everything. It's like going at the music. I, I don't, I don't do anything halfway, but yeah. I do not take things serious in the way that like, I don't plan for it to be the thing. Mm-hmm. And I use that to, you know, working with bands, producing with bands, I love it, but there is a certain piece of it that I can't write their music for them unless like, it's like that type of project or something. And it's like, I'm not going to be that person and just do a thing and push my way that far in. So there's a piece of hesitation. There's still a piece that's not allowed out for those projects that the band is that side quest, if you will, where like, I'm still taking it seriously, but that can be whatever the hell it is. It's right. exactly what it is. It's just what it's going to be. And it feels good to refresh that because I'll go out and play some gigs or I'll write m- new music or I'll go in the studio. And not only does it make me feel better to work with the artists because I literally just went and was an artist like them in front of me on the other side of the glass for a week. And it felt, and so I understand exactly what they're facing, the exact nerves that they're facing, the exact microscope that I'm putting them under. But it also allows me to be that total different role and express a different piece of me and refresh, I think. But yeah. when, when, with the different things, one thing I'd ask you is, is how do you know if something's like a distraction and you're like, I'm doing this and I'm wasting time or it's getting in my way of like my main goal or this is something that I need to continue to pursue? Do you ever think of anything in that way? Or is everything kind of working the way that it needs to between between them? That's a really good question. That's why I like doing interviews sometimes. Like I get to be self-reflective of things I never really think of. Um, 
I would say part of it is recognizing your bandwidth for how much you can dedicate your time to. And that's something that I definitely struggle with. If you ask my husband, I probably overextend myself a bit. And, uh, you know, same thing. (laughs) Yeah. Like, uh, I don't say no to things. I don't not try things. Um, yep. Do you want to try this thing? Yep. Yep. Like, let's just do it. And, uh, I think if, if I get so excited about it that I just can't stop thinking about it, like it's totally worth the bandwidth and I will just keep trying and pursuing it. And sometimes I do say no to things and I, I, I know it's not worth my time if it doesn't feel like it's building me as a human or I'm helping, you know, people in some way, like I'm, I'm contributing in some way, you know, sometimes I do stuff that I don't love doing, but I know it's going to make a bigger contribution in a way. And I, in the end, always feel like fulfilled by it. So of course, you know, let's do that. But um, in general, if, you know, oftentimes it just sort of happens. I fizzle out on things and I never go back to them. And that means it wasn't meant to be because I wasn't passionate about it. I think it just comes down to passion and time management. Yes. That's awesome. I'm a master uh, scheduler. That was like a question, honestly, like selfishly, because I face that. (laughs) That's like a piece of me that I battle every day where like, I am a very organized person. I am very goal and task orientated to move towards a main goal. But my wife would say it would reciprocate exactly what you said, Mm -hmm. where she is pretty good at at this point. Like she is very good to she's been around long enough that she knows when I say this will be like an hour, she's like, okay, so I'll see you at nine. She just, she knows the time frames that <laughs> I'm not doing good at predicting from yeah. it. She knows it. Like I've never, I cannot fathom how she has like something that she uses as like a formula or something to like figure <laughs> out like, like a graph or something like projects, like, like an object falling, like where will that land at? Like when the trains cross past, what town will they, like yeah. I swear to God, I'll, I will in my head definitively, I'll be like, it'll be a half hour. And she'll be like, all right, I will see you at seven 30, like an hour and a half later. And then I'm like, yeah, okay, stop seven 30. I roll in and I'm like, how did you do it? And she's like, because I've been with you for 11 years and I know what you do, but it's like, it's definitely, it's definitely something that I learn every day where I, I create ideas rapid fire and I pursue them all and that bandwidth gets hurt. And then I learn from it frequently, fix it. And then I go back to that Mm -hmm. way and I'm gotten better every, every day. But, uh, there's no doubt that it's, it's something that you, I like what you said on it basically where like you, you kind of simplified it. You're like, I am probably doing the same things. I'm chasing all these things, but if it fizzled out, then like there was a reason why that happened. And yeah. I think that that's like something that you're not making a conscious decision of, but it's probably happening because subliminally you're like, this isn't yielding what I want from it. Like it's just mm-hmm. not doing the thing for me or for anyone. And, and that's why I'm not staying up late on a Friday night or I'm not whatever to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And that happens a lot with certain things that then I'll jump back to, you know, but months later, like I needed a, you know, we need to take a break. (laughs) Like I, sometimes I don't touch my iPad for 
a month or two. I don't do any digital painting. And then something inspires me. I jump into it. And then I, that's like the number one thing I can't wait to do when I wake up in the morning is work on this character illustration or something. And, um, I like, like you am very goal oriented. I make a to-do list like once a week, at least for my personal ambitions and goals with Artful Harper Studios, with Creative Guts, with any clients that I have for freelance illustration. And I figure out what I have to do and then how much time I have to pursue what I want to do. And then sometimes I get lucky and schedule free time in there. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's probably, my- you probably enjoy the things that you do to the point where like the free, the free time in that are like a, all of it's just a gray area that you live in. Yeah. I imagine. I, I go really hard at everything. And then like, there's usually like two weeks out of the year, like oftentimes in January where I will do nothing for two weeks. Like I will be a complete couch potato. And it usually happens just like once a year. I mean, I definitely, you know, binge watch Netflix and like relax and do all that stuff, but like hardcore, take a break from everything creative. That rarely happens because yeah, yeah, I just freaking love it. I just, I love it. And to the point where I kind of can, can you swear on your podcast? Do you? Oh, yeah. swear? Oh, they don't get bleeped. I'm sorry. Okay. No, no, that's okay. <laughs> I feel like an asshole for thinking this, but I think like, how the hell do people live without art? Like making art or, or a creative thing. Like there's folks that, that are capable of it, but don't think they are, or just don't feel the need to pursue it. And I just think, and I know that sounds like, you know, people who are into fit football are probably like, why the hell don't you like football? How can you not like football? Yeah. But, but like, that's how I feel. Like, how could you not have something that just like awakens you? It makes you like, you know, fueled. Like I feel fueled for the stuff that I take on. Um, and I don't know, like, it, it's rare that that burns out. No, I get that. I, and I don't think that that's an asshole thing to say. I think it's you know, from the, your perspective with the way that you live. And I think, I think something like I, we all have our own philosophy and, and way. And I think philosophically all the time, like my show is called the waking up from work podcast. The reason behind that is because I don't believe in doing something that you feel like is work at all, yeah. like literally in any capacity. And I do have a day job right now that I, am not in love with, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of what I'm doing. Everyone there is awesome and like it does a great living. Like there's nothing wrong with it. There's just nothing wrong with it. But I am the type of person where I I just don't care about anything except for the things that I care about. And mm-hmm. I can't think and I can't even go backwards and think about like before that happened to think any differently of how could I ever do these things for the rest of my life without doing just the things that I love. And then how alternatively could anyone ever be just fine with that for their yeah. whole. And I, I cannot fathom it to the very bottom of my soul because that is the, just my core fundamentals of how I think, but I'm, I'm very aware too that it doesn't necessarily mean that those people don't have a great life because of their oh, yeah. paradigm of what they love and don't love and what mm-hmm. they brings them joy and not joy. And, and I'm very super aware that my way of thinking and my way doesn't 
mean that it's that for them. And it's just interesting between all the different types of people and all the different like ways that you could go about this whole life. Mm-hmm. And we're all running through <laughs> to the, the finish line of what is and is not acceptable. And it's just like, it's literally like what, what door or box is open and yeah. what's not. And that's going to completely determine how you view it. And it's just, I don't know. That shit's crazy. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like, you know, debating over your favorite flavor of ice cream, you know, we're all finding something that makes us happy. And, you know, I just am like, how do you not like this flavor? <laughs> like, how do you not, you I know, eat and breathe? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just so impassioned what flavor, and ingrained. What, what flavor of ice cream? I got to ask now. This is the debate in the household. What's my favorite? Yeah. Oh boy. Gosh. What's one that you can't fathom why someone would not like that flavor? It can be basic. It doesn't have to go into like super. Um, I'm going to go with a classic for me just because it's attached to memory, but, um, black raspberry. Okay. Super, uh, super on board. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not my go-to always, but I feel like if I'm just torn, that's what I'm going to get. It's never going to fail me. You know, What about chocolate base versus vanilla base, which way do you roll? Is there like a way? I'm pretty happy with both. Uh, it depends what's going on with it. You know, like cookie dough, peanut butter. I mean, they're, coffee is the only ice cream I don't like. Like that's a lot easier to say. I just yeah. don't like coffee flavored anything. So here's like, for me, I like all of them, but I'm like a vanilla base roller. You know what I mean? Like I like, yeah. chocolate. I still actually like chocolate ice cream, but like whenever there's a vanilla based thing that has the things that I like, I roll that way. Yep. And my wife is like, there is no middle ground at all. If you do not like chocolate, I don't understand you. She's like, she's like, vanilla is, is the most vanilla thing. It's literally <laughs> the statement to say that's vanilla. It's like, that's the thing that sucks because it's basic and you like that thing. And I like the. And I'm like, I'm like, listen, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, oh my God. I, I need to focus on all the other shit that's <laughs> happening. I use vanilla as a vehicle. You know, but <laughs> and it takes you to the cookie dough or to the right. you know caramel, and that's so Talk funny because my all that shit. I want to know what's going on. I'm trying to yeah. figure it out. I need something to just keep me going and just let me check out what's going on out there in a million different ways. Chocolate's going to tell me what's up, and I'm I'm not about that. I'm unemployable. I need to just do my thing. You know, <laughs> my husband's like chocolate all the way too, just like your right. wife. That's so funny. Like, yes or no? Like just literally, it's a yes or no on chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, chocolate's great. <laughs> um, I guess on the, we are just talking about so many different things philosophically. I mm. listened to a lot of Creative Guts podcasts driving around Maine today. And I heard you say a statement that I wanted to bring up and it kind of springboards off of what we're talking about right now. You were talking about in your art, it is very common to see a floating concept, right? Like with like the hair, like, and I looked at your Instagram too, or like your Artful Harper or something, you can see it, the hair or everything, like everything's always like, it almost seems like there's less gravity to it. Everything's going like upward or it's flowing and it doesn't have too much um, force down upon it. You were, you were talking about the reason why you do that is because you only live once and you are addicted to the concept of what it would feel like to be floating just in a way that it's very whimsical and non-caring in any sense. 
to just be, there's like a, uh, there's no force at all. Yeah. Right? It's like a freedom. What, why is it like, what is it about that, that ties so into the way that you express? Why do you chase that feeling or what does that mean to you? Okay. So, uh, other statements I've made repeatedly on the podcast is I'm definitely a, a high anxiety person. Another thing my husband can attest to. <laughs> and I have always been a super anxious person, very stressed out, very worried, you know, go back to the house to check the stove, even though we haven't cooked in three days. Like I, I do something in me lives in this very chaotic, you know, anxiety area. And I didn't even realize I was doing this, but I noticed I was illustrating people with floating hair, people in space, people in water. And it sort of came together that I realized there's this ethereal Zen moment of weightlessness of not having to worry about a thing of not having any pressure on you of being uplifted and not worrying about when you're going to fall from that. Cause I, you know, as much as I say all that, I have a great life and I'm super happy and, you know, happy very often, you know, I somehow balance the stress of all the stress of everything with, you know, being fulfilled and super joyous. And, you know, I have a wonderful relationship with my husband and I have great friends and great family and like so much makes me happy. But yet I'm, I'm, you know, this duality is combated with this constant fear of something's going to happen to all those good things. And art is a way for me to work through what I'm going through. And that weightlessness of, you know, when I create illustrating that weightlessness, I almost for a little bit feel it when I'm making it in Mm. some way, it sort of teleports or, you know, transports into me, you know, when I'm painting, when I'm working on a piece of art, I think a million thoughts and I think of nothing at the exact same time. And that's such a weird contradicting statement, but Mm. it's a Zen. It's like, everything is filtering through me, but without any emotion, there's no fear or negativity or worrying about what someone said to me that might've had a different meaning or being, a, you know, like thinking of all the stuff I, Oh, I got to get my, get the mail and have the dog's nails cut and like go through all the stuff. I like, there's just so much and it's, it's very tiring. And the thought of just floating in a very, you know, natural state, like in space or water, feels utterly relaxing. It, it feels like peace. That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And I, I, once I kind of realized it, I just kept going with it and it feels very natural. It just sort of comes, it just comes out. So we must have like the same type of personality type or something, because I also check all the locks on my house and my car doors. like three to five times like it's very it can it ranges. almost be excessive it, it ranges there yeah. are some days where i'm like i don't give a fuck someone can go in my car whatever <laughs> yeah then, yeah you know, do it up check it there's nothing in there. there's altoids if you want them you know <laughs> but then there are some days like and you know what it gets worse if i'm going to go for a trip if i'm going to go for like away for a week and i know the house is, is away from me for a week mm-hmm. or something it's actually really, really bad. Like that's where I'm like, I think I have OCD because like yeah. I'm trying to leave a house and I actually have to schedule in 
20 to 30 minutes extra because I know that I'm going to check the stove. I'm going to check all of the locks to make sure that they're locked. I'm going to check Mm -hmm. the windows to make sure that rain doesn't get into the window (laughs) because that's going to ruin my life. It's going to ruin the carpet that it won't ruin. You know, I need to check out to make sure that something's not plugged in somewhere and that the chemical that the cat could get into is yes oh my god yeah i get i freaking get like that and then like i i also like when we're talking about um you know i really enjoy a lot of things that i do and i'm really into like communicating with people like i over communicate like i am constantly checking with people hey man what's up I'm networking like to like meet people. I'm like, I'm really always just like in it. And I love that. Like, I love, I love feeling like I'm being, like I'm being juggled where I'm like constantly just in motion, just adapting and figure like, that's what I thrive in. But for a week or two a year, I will do something that is so extremist in terms of not engaging in literally anything Mm. That it's like very polar opposite where like, I will literally, I think I talked about this in the podcast. So sorry for people that heard this episode where I might've talked on it, but I literally like took uh, a trip to go a week away on an Island with no electricity or running water. And it was like out in the middle of Lake Champlain, like between Canada and Vermont. And I had to pay some woman who just lived on the lake to bring me as a party boat across (laughs) the lake. And then the the waves were too thick for her to even shore on it. So she anchors out in the water and I had to swim my stuff to shore. Oh and then every God. day, just like use a fire to like cook my food. And I hung out there like a caveman. Like I, I wore some swim trunks and, and no shoes and just walked around the island and just. Survivalist man. <laughs> nothing. Just nothing. And I need stuff like that. Or I go like hiking or, or whitewater rafting. And like, I just disappeared. I literally disappear. I like turn my phone off. I like do not talk to anyone disappear from the planet like once a year or twice a year. And I think that I do that for the same feeling that you're chasing in terms of that floating or suspension, because I'm so in that movement, sometimes Mm. stop movement, literally entirely, like almost like I'm in space, like I'm floating in space, like just kill all any type of force would be a good or bad. It could be good forces. I yeah. like zero net zero. So that that way I can net zero my head. Yeah. Figure what, what I'm up to, you know, and redefine what I'm up to refigure how I think about something. So it's, it's I love really that. funny to hear you talk on that. Yeah. It's like re- a reset button. Yeah. I need that. You yeah. Know, that game. So we all do. <laughs> Laura, I have uh five questions I like to ask then. Okay. I know you guys do like a rapid fire, which is I think that that's deadlier than mine, so these are easier. Okay, good. <laughs> so this one uh I kind of get through the podcast. I always preface it like this because I kind of get it through it, but I like asking it pointed because I feel like people think about it differently. And I say, what made you pursue these arts or it could be the podcast if you want, but I think arts just because it's been longer ingrained in a root in your life. Mm. Why is this the thing that you had to do in the third grade or however old you were? Like, why is this the thing that you decided I now need to make every aspect of my life to be this thing for the rest of my life? 
against, we were just talking earlier, you love football or you love whatever, you love whatever it could have been. There's a million options. Why is this the one thing? It gives me joy. And I don't, I don't know what else could make me happier. Fair. I mean, I, I, I just love making. And when I was a kid, I would collaborate with others. So it was probably a bonding experience. Um, And I found that the more that you worked at something, the better you were. And I also found that it was a great emotional release. It was a great way to process emotions. I -hmm. lost my father when I was 10 years old. And, uh, you know, when you have a death of a parent, when you're in elementary school, they make you do counseling with the, you know, uh, guidance counselor. And I had a, I had a, she gave me a block of clay to work with and I, and there wasn't any assignment. It was just create. Yeah. And I mean, it, it was, I was definitely making art prior to that loss, but I think that processing that kind of thing, definitely, you know, on a subliminal level, I don't think I was a 10 year old kid realizing this is how I can art therapy, you know, <laughs> but, you yeah. know, looking back, I see what was happening. You know, I was able to get stuff out and I am like uh, a hypersensitive, like I see something on TV and I feel it, whether a character is embarrassed or scared or uh, really sad. Like it takes me that, you know, that much to cry. Like I just, wow. I, I feel incredible. Like, I feel a little too much sometimes and uh, yeah. you know, whether it's processing my own stuff or just feeling in general uh, from all over art helps me uh, translate that, you know, and, and it, it just makes me happy. And I feel proud when I do it. Like I feel I've accomplished something. I've produced something and perhaps it won't be, you know, a Greek statue that lives there for the test of time, but especially with digital, I mean, I feel like, after I'm gone, some of the stuff I made somewhere will exist. And that's kind of, you know, after it all is a nice thought too. Legacy. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I remember like I'm a, I was a drummer first before any of the other stuff I got into. And that used to help me a lot with like, when I was a kid, I had bad, bad, bad anger. I had a Mm. huge anger management problem and drumming is such a physical thing instead of like going in and like beating the shit out of like some cabinets or dressers that I had, or like punching a hole in the wall or something, which like no doubt that happened at some points. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Instead of that, I could just go play some metal music and just beat the living shit out of my drums and cymbals. And I broke cymbals and I broke sticks and I broke Tom heads and shit. But like, that was something that could be replaced at like, an okay cost and mm-hmm. not many people upset over it. And that would just get it out. Like when I was done, I would practice. Like I did this in college too. Like sometimes I'd practice six, seven hours, just hang out on a Saturday and just, and then what, by the time it was over, I was good. Like, like everything that I had to get out that was left there. It was left wherever the, the, the creative or the thoughts happened. And I was good. Like I didn't have to do that. That's awesome. What a great kinetic way. Like it's just perfect. 
It's like boxing. Uh, did you, yeah, for, for that, did you, um, how did you decide to start? Like, did someone suggest that or did it just sort of happen and you realized, oh, this is a great way to kind of get it out? No, I picked out drums in the third grade when they gave us like options in like a high school during the summer, they had like each room had an instrument you could try. And I picked out the drums just because I, I like, I have no reason why like that's mm. what felt right for me. And then I didn't pick up a drum set till the seventh grade. And I probably didn't get super mad until around probably the same time. <laughs> and, uh, um, no, yeah, no one suggested to it to me. I just happened to have picked that instrument and it just happened to be like the instrument that I was supposed to have done at that time. Oh, that feels kismet. Yeah, yeah I don't know. So what do you, like throughout the process can be anything that you're up to. Say you could take the lesson that you learned from it and magically like pop that into someone's head. So like you, you gave it to them pill and they ate it and they learned the lesson. What would be like the worst thing that you feel like you've done along the way? Or like the thing that like, Hey, take this lesson from it because everything has a lesson and it happens for a reason, I think, but don't do this thing because that sucked. If you can legitimately learn this thing without experiencing it, don't do this along the way. What would you tell someone not to do in the creative way? Um, just the first thing that pops to mind is don't not try something (laughs) as in, don't let something hold you back from pursuing a creative passion. Um, I have stage fright, as I mentioned, and I, I, in high school, you know, I like to sing and I always wanted to act and I act in my bedroom alone, like a dweeb, but I never tried out for a school play or a school musical. I never pursued anything like that. And I, why not? Cause I was afraid of what people would, you know, say or judge me. And I think I've wasted so much time not trying certain things creatively, you know, because of, of my perception of others and maybe other people, you know, some folks don't have that same fear or worry, but I, why didn't I try those things? I really wish I had. And not that it's too late now, but I'm sort of ingrained with so many other things, you know, that's, you know, I've done, you know, a little bit of improv online and I'm trying voice acting. And so that's kind of a sliver of that, but I feel like what you work on creatively influences you as a person all over, you know, everybody is creative, you know, like my main passions are very obvious and visual creatively, but you know, you're, everyone's creative. You're, you solve problems at your job. You're creatively, you know, creative thinking. So don't think I can't try something, you know, if you're eight years old and you're like, gosh, I wish I'd tried pottery. There's nothing stopping you. You should go try and do it. And don't care about if your family's going to make fun of you or someone's going to say something. Like I think living in the fear of like judgment from others, as long as you're not hurting anybody, honestly, like go do your thing. Like go go be a fashion model, do whatever. I mean, even if there's adversity or it's hard to try to get into, I don't think I'm going to be some famous voice actor. I don't think I'm going to be on commercials necessarily. Like I think it's going to be a fun hobby where it might help me be a better person. I might learn things from it. I might have fun doing it. Like 
that's it, you know? And yeah. there's no reason I shouldn't try to do it. And it's scary when I like audition and submit it and I just listen to it seven times, you know, did I sound okay? But I'm not thinking in the same terms that I was as far as, am I going to be judged for sounding stupid? Just, am I going to be judged for getting picked for a job or not? You know? Yeah. And that's, it's, it feels way healthier. It feels way better. And I wish I had learned that as a young lady when I was a lot younger. I am, I am really like, man, I get fucking fueled up about judgment on yourself. I am, yes. I am, I will talk about that for a while. Anyone out there listening to the podcast, if you haven't seen it, Laura, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's legit. I made with Craig Holland illustrations, one of the people that was on the show on our Instagram page at Dave wake up. There's a little comic. It's a digital comic where you swipe between the panels. Oh, the okay. It's actually like a, a concept that I came up with of something that just happened to me where like when you go to that family or friend barbecue, so like you're at the barbecue, you go to barbecues with people that you know and you trust usually, right? Mm-hmm. Or you go to like your friend's family's barbecue or you go to your significant other's family's barbecue or you go to like in some way, like you do care about the opinions that are there usually, yes. right? Yeah, absolutely. And I was so used to going to places and having to explain, what do you do? I'm an audio engineer and have people be like, great. So when you fail at that, what real job are you going to do? I got so sick of hearing that. I was like, dude, I'm making money doing this right now. All I need to do is reduce my overhead and then I'm full time. Like Mm -hmm. people don't, people don't understand. People judge you when they don't understand what it is that you're doing. So like for you to take a chance on the voice acting or for me to (laughs) take a chance on my music, right? Things that we're venturing out on if you don't have an expectation on yourself that you're going to adversely judge yourself on the, on, on trying it, then no one else who isn't in a position that does that has the ability to judge you. And then for you to suck in that judgment to put on yourself on it, it's just, it, there's no, there's no perspective that they would be allowed or why you should receive that judgment. It's just like, it's irrelevant and it's Mm. so frustrating. And I, I would, I, 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 I'm getting so boxy, but like, I totally <laughs> am with you. Fuck judging yourself. Seriously. Do yeah. whatever it is when you taste test it and it feels right, then just go do it. And then like the results will yield the results. And that's what you can use to, to, to dictate what you're doing. Yeah. Never I wish I'd self. I wish I'd, I mean, when you're a teenager, you know, a lot of folks go through that you know, self-doubt and all that stuff. But I just, I really wish I had tried that kind of stuff or even in college, any, I mean, there was theater stuff in college I should have done. And I just was too afraid to get in front of, up in front of people. And the only time I faced that is when I started playing music, I did play music in front of people, even though it scared me. And I, mm-hmm. something worked out. I, I had, I was in a band or, you know, I wasn't alone in it. And I was able to overcome some of that. Flip side to that. So what would you say is the best thing you've done along the way? Like what we were like, this is the best idea I've ever had. <laughs> uh, gosh, that's so hard. <laughs> I, I guess, I guess, uh, I mean, 
a quick answer is creative guts as far as like just pursuing a thing. Yeah. Uh, I would say like I ran into Sarah's office and was like, you want to start a podcast? And she was like, yeah. And like, we didn't stop doing it. We just kept going. And I think that was a scary thing, you know, trying an endeavor of, you know, Hell yeah. Like podcast that was the shit out of me. Yeah. The shit out of me every week. Yeah. It's a, it's a big endeavor. It's like a big, big thing. And, uh, and it's just a, you know, pa- a passion, just a labor of love. Uh, Sarah and I are definitely not trying to make money off it. We're not trying to monetize it at all. We're, yeah. you know, breaking even would be lovely, but it's, that's not what it's about. It's about like connecting to a bigger community and helping others feel the possibilities, you know? So, um, I, you know, with my personal art, sure. I have some financial goals. It would be great to do that full time, or it would be great to make a certain amount. Um, you know, I, I do well enough that it, it definitely is, you know, paying for itself and all that. But, um, but yeah, I'd say, you know, guts in general. Um, the only other thing I can think of as far as like a, a grand accomplishment in recent, recent, very recent days is um, the mural I painted on the side of Art Up Front Street. I have to uh, see it. I'm going to come was, see it sometime. Do it and take a selfie with it. That's what we're trying to tell folks to do. Nice. It's, uh, you know, because it's about uh, Polaroids and snapshots. So it just kind of feels fitting. But uh, I was terrified to do that. I had only done two or three mural, th- three murals, interior, much smaller in my adult life. Like I had not done anything that big, that public, outside like it was such a big you know whole new thing to learn but I like doing what scares me and uh I would say like the first two hours of actually doing it were terrifying and the rest was a blast and not scary at all right that's awesome yep once I got the chalking done I I outlined where I was painting and once I had like that sketch which is kind of a good analogy for like trying anything like write it out sketch it out plan it, you know, make a to-do list. And once it's in writing, it's way easier to do. And it's way less scary because you have a roadmap you've, you know, made yourself. You get scared when you write it. If it's like, you already get scared. Yeah. It already takes out some of the scaredness because you're like, oh, that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. When you write something on the calendar, it's going to happen. When you, I'm a huge advocate, like you said, goals, but I write things out like in a, in a journal daily. I read it before I go to bed of like what's happening tomorrow and like what my expectations are. And then like in the morning, like again, I read it and have like a couple different systems of like looking out in different ways, short and long term. But when you write it, it becomes real in some capacity, even if it's not like an actual tangible thing that like now happens, even if you fail at it or you forget to do it or never have it. Mm-hmm. When you write it, it's still real in the sense that like you wrote it as an expectation that you're putting into the world and it's either going to be fulfilled or not fulfilled, but subliminally or like however you act is still engaging in that being a priority in some way. So I, I'm looking yes. on writing. Yeah, for sure. That, yeah. It makes I it. Have a, I have an episode out there, like going back to what you said of like the best thing you did. Best idea I had was starting creative guts. I have an episode on here. It's a solo episode really quick called like go start a podcast or something now like it and it was and it was really like when you get into it i talk about just creating whatever content that you want to create 
mm. creating it on a consistent schedule. And it's because of the benefit that I've seen from having a show like this too, because you just meet people more, you learn things, you learn things about yourself. Like when you reflect yeah. like that, when you talk to someone else that you haven't talked to like you, right. And, uh, I've seen too many benefits from it to not do that sooner in my life. I would have done it sooner. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Easy. Um, a uh, couple easy questions. These are way easier. So this cool. one would be for this audience. Are there any resources that you'd recommend? It could be a website or videos or book or podcaster. What's a resource that you'd recommend in the spaces that you like to be in? Interesting. Um, for digital art, I mentioned Lowish. And I will repeat it because I am such a fangirl of hers. And I would say that's a really good resource. Um, oddly, I'm going to jump into the music world. The RPM nice. Challenge, if uh, folks are not familiar with it, it typically happens in February. If you go to rpmchallenge.com, you will see it's a challenge to write and record one album of music in the month of February. And nice. they did it again in April for a second time just because of uh, being, you know, everyone quarantined pandemic style at home all the time. Um, so I ended up, I didn't do February's, but I ended up doing April's and I, I made music under the name space cadetter and I did a, like a small EP and I did, uh, I got a MIDI keyboard and I made music all through GarageBand, which I've never done before. So I did a whole mm -hmm. new thing and, uh, the community of RPM challenge, like they even write not you know, on the forums, not during the actual challenge. Like so many people are up for helping others with technical issues, concept ideas. Like it's a great, it's just a great forum for collaboration. And that's an awesome uh, name. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh, awesome. oh, <laughs> thanks. That's space cadetter. Yeah. I just, I do a lot of stuff with, I love like outer space and NASA and everything like that. So I kind of get all wrapped up in that. And I feel like I'm a bit of a space cadet. Like, I'm off in my own little dream world. And oh, my yeah. mom, my mom used to say that my head was in the clouds constantly just oh, imagining. So it just felt like a good name, but uh, that's a good resource. I don't do music a ton, but when I do, it's usually connected to that. So um, as far as other stuff, um, for folks in New Hampshire, I'm going to put a, do a plug for a resource. Yeah. Um, yeah. Stay Work Play is a nonprofit that encourages people to stay, work, and play in New Hampshire. And they do a ton of uh, advocacy and community-based stuff. And I am actually a writer for one of their blogs. I write the arts and culture blog section. Sarah does two blogs with them. And wow. then they have, so they have on their site, different sections for like outdoor stuff, uh, parents and uh, like young professionals and you know, how to change policy and be a lawmaker and, you know, arts and culture. And, you know, Sarah does a piece on housing and stuff like that. And, and I'm sure other states have this too. So if you're listening elsewhere, you know, look, try to dive into these resources, but like, there's so much opportunity for so many different things where you live and stay work play is trying to harness that to show young people what's available in New Hampshire. You know, it's like, there's just so much to do and you might not be aware of it. And like diving into all of that, not just in the arts and culture world or the creative world, but like, you know, um, uh, what is it? Boards and pints. The, there's a bar, a game. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, um, 
board game bar in Manchester. And like, there's just tons of cool things that you don't know are there. And part of it is connecting with others because, you know, studies have shown like you're more like, most likely you want to stay living where you're living. If you have a community, if you have friends, if you have family, whatever that community is around you. And so uh, just in a grand scheme of things, uh, stay work play is a really good resource for finding out different things like that about New Hampshire. That's cool. Yeah. I knew about that community before. I didn't know that you guys were affiliated actually until like the other week when I talked to you or I listened yeah. to podcasts or something and heard you mention it. And I was like, that's too funny for those there. out there that are in other States other than New Hampshire. What's going on here is, and, and you're going to have better insight on me more. And this would be like its own thing to talk about. So maybe <laughs> I'll get into more of it with Sarah. Yes. But, uh, we have a most of our, of our people go to college, like say like they go to college in a state school in New Hampshire, they still friggin' leave. Like we have a big problem here in New Hampshire with younger kids, not staying here to work for companies, not staying here to start small businesses and not staying here to educate and do all of these other shit that we like, we need to have happened here. Mm. They do stuff here. They get educated or they, they do internships or they do things here and then they leave. And that's a problem. And that's why stay work play. New Hampshire is here as a way to highlight, okay, we hear you for sure, but here's what is here. If you're Mm. not aware of it, these might be all the things that you need and you just didn't know about it. And, and for people out there, like, and and sorry ahead of time because I am considering leaving New Hampshire because of like a very weird property type. And I'm a <laughs> super Granite State boy. So I'm salty about it already of the possibility. From <laughs> However, the reason why I advocate for New Hampshire and I do all the time on this podcast is we have a very weird state where yeah. if you are a Granite Stater or you're ever interested in coming here, that shit is here. It's spread out though, and it's in pockets, and you mm-hmm. have all of it. And you basically have to kind of like work like you're a chef and taking the things that you want when you want them and going to that spot to do it is the way that yeah. I've felt about it. Where like there is amazing music that comes out of here, there's amazing art, there's amazing businesses, there's amazing creators, there's amazing things to go out, do like for, for outdoor events, for for cities oh, that are, are doing concerts and nationals and, and all sorts of things are all happening here. It's just in different parts of the state. And uh, yeah, definitely, definitely an advocate for it. And then like, I've talked about it on the podcast before too, to say like, you know, I'm an audio engineer. People give me shit all the time being like, go dude, move to LA, move to uh, Nashville. It used to be New York city until that got like actually really shitty for audio. But people will be like, why would you possibly live in New Hampshire? And the reason I talk about it, and this is applicable to other creatives, I believe, is that you can either be a small fish in a big pond, right? So you can be in Nashville, you can be in LA, you probably fucking crush it, like no doubt, right? Tons and tons and tons of work, tons and tons and tons of competition. Or Mm -hmm. you can be in New Hampshire, or you can be in Maine or Vermont or something less work. No doubt. There's less musicians here. There's less, there might be less creatives here, but once you find your community, then you can be one of the six people that is insanely stupid good at the thing that serves that community. You can stay right here. And maybe you like living here more. And that's going to be like my end of my, uh, 
<laughs> persuasion of like you you live wherever the fuck you want and and there's a million ways that you can totally achieve living in that space especially in the digital age and if you, if you don't believe that after covid i don't know how else to explain oh it oh my god seriously possible nowadays with what we have as tools to live where you want to live and create mm-hmm. creative that you want to live sorry i'm ja- i'm jazzed on that i found out you guys were into that i was like i'm i'm on board i am yeah in- yeah. Yeah. Sarah Play is amazing. They are they are so great. It's such a great nonprofit. And Sarah w- has been writing for them for quite a long time. And at one point, we interviewed Will Stewart, the executive director on Creative Guts. Wow. And in the interview, Sarah was like, gee, Laura, why don't you write the arts and culture blog? And I was like, oh, no, I couldn't. I couldn't. <laughs> and, then, and then and then Will's like, do you want it? And I was like, oh, gee, I, no, I don't want me. And then (laughs) I uh, later I emailed him and said, were you for real? Because I love the, the, the art scene in New Hampshire. So we're, I'm already pretty much reporting on it through creative guts. I literally already do it. So would it be that much harder for me to write about it once a month? Like it's not that much. So I, he was like, heck yes. And I've been doing it for, I don't know, almost a year this summer. and. I really like it. I really like doing it. That's yeah. Awesome. Last question is the easiest and least stress. Where do people find you? Where do people find Art Harper Studios and Creative Guts Podcast and everything? What what sites or places can they hang out with you, Laura? Super easy question. Uh, so for my art, artfulharperstudios.com. Artful Harper is kind of like the Artful Dodger. That's sort of where I got the name. Uh, It's on, you know, the website, obviously. And then Instagram and Facebook, my handle is at Artful Harper. And creativegutspodcast.com is where you can find all of our episodes, including anywhere that you download uh, podcasts. And our handles are Creative Guts Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. I have a uh, big cartel shop for Artful Harper, but you can find that through my website and my Instagram. So I don't need to say that whole long domain. Um, cool. Yeah, those are. And if you really want to go down the weird rabbit hole, Space Cadetter is my name on uh, SoundCloud. No my, way. I got to check that out. My little that. EP. It's it's five five songs that are definitely a little spacey. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, well. Laura Harper Lake, thank you for joining me on the Waking Up From Work podcast. Uh, for those of you that are listening right now, you'll hear Sarah, the other co-host next week, and we're going to get into some total other stuff too. So it should be a lot of fun. Thank you for hanging out, Laura. Again. Thank you so much. I had a blast. It was so fun talking to you. We went long tonight. We went an hour and a half. and I, usually I know. An hour, so that means that we were jamming hard. Damn. That's good. Hey. Um, <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to do it for episode 62 of the Waking Up From Work podcast. Really happy you guys hung out for this. If you're still here right now, then uh, you're a trooper. That was a long episode, so that means you hopefully got a lot out of it or you were running or doing something where like it was too much of a pain in the balls to stop listening. But either way, we're really happy that you hung out for this. So if you want to catch the other piece to the puzzle here for the creative guts podcast and then next week on episode 63 you're going to hear the story from sarah reitzman who is the other 
co-host of the podcast that Laura does with her on uh, really a, a different piece of uh, creative. I would say that this podcast here is more on like the business and mindset and and living, whereas theirs is more on the creative itself. But we have a ton of crossover, which is why I get along so well with them. So if you haven't had a chance, definitely recommend go over there, check out the Creative Guts podcast. They're great. Check out some of the resources that Laura put out there. If you want to go to wakingupfromwork.com slash show notes, you can check out those as links to click on if you want to check out her page and things like that. If you want to hang out with us live at Dave Wake Up on Instagram, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, we'll be live with Sarah if you want to catch it as it goes or uh, any of the other stuff in the future. Just want to thank you guys so much for hanging out and uh, I hope you are making a lot of shit this week. All right, cheers. Cheers.